0: And I think that when we go into this passage and in and, and every passage with Ephesians, uh, it's important to keep that in mind, in Christ, in Christ. Because we can talk about unity, we can talk about uh, blessings, and we can talk about spiritual gifts and, and everything, but that's all secondary. That's all kind of what is like later. The first thing has to be in Christ. Because God is the first, he's the last, he's We are working through him, and and he's working through us, and and that's kind of the key, right? So it's in Christ first, right? Amen? Yeah. All right, so um, I'm actually going to give you my three points first, and then we're going to go into it. I usually don't do this. Uh, I usually don't really. I kind of just, when I do sermons, I don't know if you guys know, but I kind of just like speak and then go and like a story a little bit and just go here and there. So this is a little different, but because I have three points, I'm kind of excited, and I want to share that with you first. And it might be easier for you guys to follow too. So the first point is, uh, oh, so the, the sermon title is Growth in the Ordinary Life, right? Uh, and then the first point is we grow in faith by being more like Jesus Christ. The second point, oh, wait, okay, sure. We grow in faith by being more like Jesus Christ. The second point is we grow in faith through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and don't we're going to obviously like go through all of these and stuff and I'm going to explain it but you guys got that one? <laughs> yeah thank you guys and lastly we grow in faith by not being easily swayed or easily deceived cuckoo Right. All right. Good. If you have your Bibles, if you can open up to Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven through sixteen. Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven through sixteen. I'm going to read if you could follow along, starting from verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ Amen. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that as we go into this word, Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts. But also, Lord, just show us how much you love us, Lord. That you are it for us. That all of our serving, all of our work, everything that we do is only worthy, Is only meant something because it's done for you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that that would be kind of our forefront. That would be in our minds that you are first and everything else is second that you are our life and we come second lord and so we thank you and we love you in the name of jesus christ we pray amen uh, you know my um my dad he he became a pastor when i was about um 10 years old 10 years old uh and it was maybe a maybe a little bit around that time maybe a few months after a year after that uh my parents they started a church um and when you're part of a pastor's family, especially in a small church, uh, you end up doing everything, right? You end up doing everything. And so for me, at that age and like as I was growing, uh, I ended up being a part of everything when it came to our youth group, right? And it wasn't that I was, I wasn't upset about it. I wasn't angry about it. I was just more confused. I didn't understand why I had to do all of that. I was serving as much as I could physically, but I just didn't understand why. And I kept saying, you know, my dad was the one who wanted to be a pastor. Why am I having to do all these things, right? And my uh, kind of my mindset. And I remember my dad, he came up to me before he became a pastor. The the way he asked for, I remember, like, my kind of permission is he said, um, Danny, because before he was in business and stuff like that, he said, Danny, what do you think if I became a pastor? And I said, Oh, okay, that sounds nice. <laughs> He's like, okay, good. And then that's kind of how it happened, right? And so I was wondering, why, why do I have to go through these things? Why am I going through all of these serving motions? Why am I going through all these things? And the question that was ringing through my head, my, my teenage anthem was, what's the point of me going to church? Why am I going to church? Has that ever been your question? Have you ever thought that? If you've attended church before, if you've ever been a part of a a college, you know, ministry campus, or if you've been part of any ministry or served, have you ever thought, why am I doing this? Why am I here? In verse 11, Paul, he's talking to the church in Ephesus about these gifts that different people have. And he goes on and he talks about, it. he says, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastors, some are teachers. And, and the reason he lists all these names is not because these are specific categories. He's trying to encompass all of these different gifts that people have. Because we in the church believe that everyone has a gift. Everyone has something that they can give to the church. Everyone has some way that God has blessed you. Whether that is something big, whether that's something noticeable, whether that's something small, God has given you something to bless other people, to give to other people, and to bless the church. In verse 12, Paul says, God gave us these gifts so that we can work and serve so that we can reach the fullness of Christ. Now, what's happening in the church of Ephesus is probably something that actually happened to a lot of us we serve and serve and serve but after a while we forget the point of why we're serving we forget the point of church and you see the church of ephesus was actually very similar they were a faithful church we see in the we see in the, in this book paul he loves them he cares about them he says you are you are doing so well but something strange happens and something different happens because you know during advent uh pastor james he he went on he talked about the book of revelation right and i I loved it It was it was it was great it was fun and for me it was a wake-up call because i hadn't read the book of revelation in a while and so i was i was looking back through it and i don't know if you know but in revelation jesus he writes seven letters to seven different churches is not that kind of cool that he is writing these letters to these churches and one of these letters is to the ephesian church and he tells them this same thing. He says, you are doing very well. I am I'm proud of how well you're persevering. You are doing a, an excellent job. But, but, you have forgotten one thing. You have forgotten your first love. That's what he says. You know, serving is good. Persevering is good. Enduring is good. You are working hard and I am proud of you. I am so proud of those things that you are doing because you are working for the Lord and yet those things have become your end product. You see, when service becomes your end product, that is always a bad thing because serving and giving is only the means to an end. It's a great thing to serve in the church. It is, and you should be. But the reason why we give our time, the reason why we give our energy, the reason why we give our resources is to be more like Christ. That is the end product. That is the main reason why we do this stuff. Because if you don't realize that, if that isn't the first part of your mind when you are serving, then you will get burnt out. And you will begin to question what I questioned before. And what so many people question, why am I here? Why am I doing this? I don't understand. This is, I'm just serving and serving, and people are taking from me and taking from me, and I don't understand why I'm here. And the reason why you think that, the reason why that's the forefront of your mind is because you don't realize this one fact here. You think serving is the end product when it's only the means to the end, and that's to be more like Christ. We cannot Forget this. And you see, this is the point. Serving is good, but are you being transformed by it? That's what it means to be transformed by God. That's what it means to be more like Christ. Is your life different than it was before? We're at the beginning of 2019. If you have been serving and giving in all these different capacities, are you different now than you were last year? Think back on your life think back to 2018 think back to 2017 has your life been different is your life different now than it was last year are you more patient are you more loving are you more kind are you more gentle these are questions that you have to ask yourself because these are the questions that Paul is presenting to the church as well you know our theme is an ordinary life ordinary life we are living ordinary lives right our lives are ordinary we study at school we go to work we wake up every day and we just live and and we go we clock in and we come home and we go to sleep and repeat repeat and repeat but you see we worship an extraordinary god and it's, and this is the difference, you guys. This is the difference between us and the world. This is a difference that we have, that is given to us, that most people don't have and that don't realize. Because when we stop and look at our lives and see that as the end product, then we will always be disappointed because our lives are ordinary. Our lives are completely ordinary. We will always wake up, we will always go to work, we will always study, we will always do these things, and we will always repeat that again and again. That is our lives. That is what it means to be ordinary. And yet, our ordinariness doesn't stop in that middle section. It goes through because we are all trying to be more like Christ, and we worship a God who is extraordinary. And that is why our lives aren't ordinary. Do you get that? If you stop in the midpoint and you say, my serving, my giving, and my life is ordinary and that's it, then your life is ordinary. And that's all it will be. And your life will just be another part of the dust in this world, and it will go away. But it's a matter of perspective and understanding that your life is so much more than that because we worship an extraordinary God. And so, our lives and what you do and how you serve and how you give and how you study is all done so that we can be more like Christ. And as we become more like Christ, we are being transformed little by little by little. And the people around us are being transformed little by little by little. And it's not through our power, it's through the power of Jesus Christ. You see, it's good to be busy. It's good to be part of a million different things, but is there change in your life? Is there change happening in your life? Is there change happening in the lives of those around you? You know, another letter that Jesus writes is to the church in Sardis, and he tells them that they have a reputation for being alive, but they are actually dead. How absolutely scary would that be to get a letter like that from Jesus? You see, they were known as a church that was healthy to everybody else, that was vibrant, that was alive, that was growing. Everyone in that community, everyone who was around them, they were saying, oh, this church, you should model yourself after this church because this is alive. This church is growing. This church is healthy. And yet Jesus says, no, no, I know that you have that reputation among everyone else but I know that you are actually dead. What does it mean to have a reputation of being alive? It means people are involved, that they are serving in all these different ministries, that the church is probably growing in numbers, that their staff is growing and all these things. And yet Jesus says, yeah, I know that it looks like that, but you're actually not. You know, you can be the busiest person at church. You can be serving in every capacity imaginable and yet not be changed at all. That's what it means to be dead. Your attitude, your behavior, your lifestyle is the exact same as it was last year. You are serving so faithfully in the church and yet you go home and your life is the exact same. You serve so faithfully in church, and yet your mindset, your lifestyle, the, t- the things that you think, the words that you say are exactly the same as it was last year. you think that you're alive? No, no, you're dead. There is no change. You know, the whale shark is, is one of the biggest, shark. it is the biggest shark in the world. They average around 40 feet in length. They're over 40,000 pounds. But what's strange about them, and what's strange about a lot of these sharks, is that they're not able to pump oxygen on their own. They need to constantly be moving in order for the water to pass through their gills so that they can breathe. If they move, they live. If they stop, they die. If the people in the church are not changing, if the people in the church are not being transformed, if you, brothers and sisters, are not changing, if you are not being transformed, if you are not growing to be more like Christ, then you see the church that you are in is not a church, it's just just a building. You know, there's something called a functional church, or a functional member. What that means is just simply, is the church functioning the way a church is supposed to? Is a member functioning the way that a member is supposed to? The way that you know is right here, is what Paul says. If people are changing, then yeah, you're a functional member. If the church is a church of transformation, if lives are being saved, if people are changing, if people are growing closer to Christ, then, yeah, it's a functional church. But if it's not, if you're not, then we can't say that here. This is what the difference is between being part of a church, growing in a church versus going to a million other places. And that is that is the beauty of the church though because on Sunday you could be anywhere else on today you could be anywhere else and yet you're here why are you here why do you come to church on Sundays why are you part of life groups why are you serving if you think So simply and say, you know, I'm serving because I simply want to serve or because of this. No, no, no. Think further, brothers and sisters. Think past that. Understand that we are a church of transformation. Understand that you are trying to be more like Christ. Understand that the people you talk to, the people you counsel, the people you are talking with and and serving and growing with, we are all becoming more like Christ. And that is extraordinary. That is mind-blowing. That that is what you need to remember. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. I think God, he is so smart when it comes to this, right, obviously. (laughs) Because what it says here is that when we serve, and when we give, and when we love, And when we try to be more like Christ, then you know what? You're not going to have to work to be unified. It's going to naturally come around. It will naturally come about so that community will naturally form when we start to grow and mature in Christ. As we grow in our faith and become more loving and more patient, then community will naturally start to happen. Does that make sense? Yes. If someone's been going to church for a long time, but they're the exact same that they were five years ago, do you think that they naturally want to share their lives with you? Do you think that they naturally want to invest in your life or know about you or pray about you or cry with you or laugh with you? No, of course not. If they were the exact same, absolutely not. But when you are being transformed, when you are becoming more mature in your faith, then a natural curiosity and longing to know and invest in other people will happen in your life. You will grow in faith and you will naturally be attracted and you will naturally want to know how other people are doing as well. You're going to naturally want to invest in other people because that mindset of knowing that what God has done for you will come into you and you'll start to understand and want to invest in other people as well. And so one by one, you're going to invest in someone else. You're going to talk to them, grow with them, want to meet up with them. That person will start to talk with someone else, grow with them, invest in them. One person after the other person after the other person. It forms a community. And guess what? That forms a church. That's what a functional church is. So that's my first point. My second point is we grow in faith. Through the knowledge of jesus christ and so the question becomes how do we reach maturity you know we talked about oh so we need to you know the, being more mature means we have to be more like christ and and that's good and that's great but how do we get there how do we reach that in verse 13 paul says it's in the faith and the knowledge of the son of god in other words it's kind of simple It says you need to know the bible you need to know the bible the faith and the knowledge of the son of god is known and experienced through the bible and this is important because i know that for i i do this too when we read the bible a lot of times we skim through it a lot of times we read it but we aren't engaged we kind of go on cruise control but it says here of the Son of God. When we read, we need to see the entire Bible through the lens of the the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Look, when you study for a test, they say one of the best ways to know the material, to really understand the material, is to teach it to someone else, right? Why? It's because you're not just memorizing the facts, you're not just memorizing the tables, you are internalizing the information and teaching it through your own perspective, through your own words. And for us as well, this is so important. It's not enough just to read the Bible. It's not enough just to memorize the words. That's all head knowledge. And head knowledge, sure, it's good for some things, but it's not the most important thing. We need to look at the Bible through the perspective of Jesus. And what happens when you begin to do that, when you ha- what happens when you really start to internalize and read the Bible in this, in this type of manner, when you really focus this way, is that you start to have a knowledge of the Son of God. Now in Greek, this word knowledge is not just a type of head knowledge. When they use this word in Greek, it's a deep and intense type of knowledge. It's not just from the head, it's from the heart. Paul says in Ephesians 1, I hope that the eyes of your heart become enlightened. Isn't that a weird saying? When I read that, I, just kind of, I skimmed through it. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, why does he even say that? Why does he use hyperbole there? No, I don't get it. But you see, it's, it's, it means something. When you start to grow in your faith and you begin to read the Bible as how it was meant to be read, then what God says doesn't just enter your head it enters your heart you don't begin to just to know about god you begin to know and experience him that is the difference when i was in high school i, I was always afraid of of worshiping um, I, I was always afraid of praise like uh with raising my hands with like kind of closing my eyes and and just lifting my hands right i always felt like a hypocrite when i did that to be honest because i, I know that people they would look at me and and they would judge me and I felt like I just felt like uh, this is not something that I want to do and and so it was just something I just never really tried but one day uh, during high school I heard someone saying that raising your hands is not is actually not a sign that you are holy or that you're faithful it's actually the opposite it's it's saying that God, I'm weak and I'm actually faithless. So God, I'm actually surrendering myself to you. God, like I have stuff in my heart and I'm the center of my life right now. So God, I'm just gonna lift my hands and and I'm gonna act this way because I, I just wanna surrender everything to you. I'm gonna surrender my pride and my identity to you. And as I was worshiping one day, that thought just clicked in my mind. And it didn't just click in my mind, it clicked in my head and in my heart. And it went in the center of who I was and it completely changed the way I worshipped. If you had seen me before then and you had seen me after, you would see me radically different. That's the thing, you guys. The way that I was before that hit my heart and the way that I was after it hit my heart, completely different. Before I was timid, before I was afraid, before I kept looking at other people, afterwards when I really understood it, it changed my life because it changed everything about the way I worshipped. Look, this knowledge that Paul is talking about isn't just mental or physical or emotional. It's a deep connection that goes from your head into your heart. It changes everything about you. It changes the very center of who you are. Look, do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to become more patient, more loving? Do you want your behavior and your actions to be more like Jesus? Then you have to spend the time doing it. When you read the Bible, read it through the lens of Jesus. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you the right eyes. This is why we tell you when you do QT, when you pray, when you read the Bible, pray first. Pray first. It's not; Those aren't just empty words, but say, God, I want you to give me the Holy Spirit so I can look at these words and it can affect my life. Because our God is a living God. He was the same God who was in the Old Testament, who brought fire down from heaven. He's the same God who's in the New Testament, who healed the paralyzed, who brought sight to the blind, who raised the dead. This is the same God that we worship today, and he's the same God that when we read the Bible can transform your life completely. And if you have that type of faith, then he will transform your life. But for so many of us, we don't have that faith. And we read the Bible and we say, God, I, this is whatever, I'm just going to skim through it, and yeah, I'm going to take some good things from it. But you know what? That's enough for me. Paul says here and this is why I challenge you ask God and say God I want the Holy Spirit to change the way that I view the Bible I want you to change the very foundations of my life so that when I read the Bible through the lens of Jesus Christ that it will change absolutely everything about me and I guarantee you that if you pray that way and if you ask sincerely that way and you read the Bible then your life will change it will change the very foundations of your soul It will change the very center of your life. And the minute you pray that, and the moment as time goes on, you will be able to look back in your life and you will see that you were so different than you were before. Paul says that here. It is in the Bible. And this is what it means to live an ordinary life in Christ. Look, we are living these lives, and yes, they're ordinary, and yes, they go through these routines. But understand that God is changing your life in extraordinary ways, that he is transforming who you are from the inside out. And if you understand that, then your life is not ordinary. But for so many of us, we we don't believe that. And so we only go one step when God is asking you to take a leap of faith. And so we're always stuck right on the edge. So what are you going to do? What will you do? So these were the things that you should do, right? Paul says these are, these are things that you should do and, and you should go this way. And now Paul he goes into the things that you shouldn't do. He says, be careful of this. Be careful of this. And I think the reason he does this is because for a lot of us, we think that, oh, I, I am actually pretty mature. My faith life, I, I think I'm pretty good. It's, it's the person next to me that, that needs to hear this. Don't look at each other. There's the person next to me that needs, to be, <laughs> that, needs to be, that needs to hear this. But just in case you know you're thinking that verse 14 it says we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes you know everyone's faith it starts off as a child no one is immediately mature that's why Paul doesn't say, you may never be children. He says, you may no longer be children, right? So how do we know if we're children? Paul, he, he points out two things. He says, there are two characteristics that you need to be careful of. The first is, children are easily swayed. Children are easily swayed. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And secondly, children are easily deceived by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. You know, when I'm with a baby and it starts to cry, I start to make crazy faces. I, I try to go whatever, say peekaboo or whatever, and I say a lot of, I, I make a lot of noises I've never made before, right? And, uh, all this stuff, and a lot of the times the baby it goes immediately, it changes, it starts, goes from crying into laughing right? It <laughs> starts to laugh, right? <laughs> was, was that weird? Sorry. <laughs> no? Is that, is that not right? Well, from the babies I've seen, they do that, okay? Look, look, all right. and then we can, Fine. When Ada, okay, look, when Ada, when she was, all right, I, have a, I have a niece named Ada, right? Before when she was, she would cry in the car or whatever, and I would say, hey, Ada, if you, if you stop crying, I'll, I'll give you ice cream, bam, on a dime she stops crying. Like, you punk, right? (laughs) But she would immediately stop crying. She can go back and forth, back and forth. Babies go back and forth, back and forth. Spiritual children are the same. After a sermon or a retreat, after hearing something great, after hearing all these resolutions, after talking to someone, you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to do something different. God, you are going to be number one in my life. God, I'm going I'm to focus on you. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to do all these things for you. But you see, when you go home, something bad happens. When you go home, you get disappointed. When you go back, you get discouraged. And that fire that you had, that desire for Lord, it changes. You say, God, God. Where were you? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you protecting me? You know, maybe one day, God, He answers a prayer that you have been praying for so long. It's a miracle. Praise the Lord. And you are so happy and you share it with other people. And that's your that's the one thing, that's your praising point. You're going on, you're saying, God, God did this in my life. He has answered a prayer for me, He has done this great thing for me. next month he's silent and there's no word and immediately you say God where are you God I'm walking in the wilderness right now God where are you there's no maturity in that there's no growth in that you're a child then you're a spiritual child in that way Look, we we always want the easiest way out. We want the reward without putting in the time. We want instant gratification. But the Bible, it says again and again that you are on a journey, that it is not a sprint, that you are not on a small walk. You are on a marathon. But children, they hate discipline. They hate rebuke. They're not completely stable. You see, children are also easily deceived. You know, I've realized this about children, that they either, number one, believe everything that they're told, or they're so stubborn that they don't believe anything that you tell them. It's either one or the other, right? Kids either believe Santa is real, and they trust anyone who says anything, Or at the same time, kids are so stubborn and resistant to any type of change. And this is what spiritual children are like too. They swing on either end. Either they believe everything because they don't know the Bible and they don't have a foundation of truth. Or they believe they know exactly what is right. And they think that what they think is completely 100% without fault. And they will not change. Look, are you spiritually a child? Is this who you are? You know, it, it, can, be, it can be discouraging. But I want you to have, have hope. Because children grow up. Children grow up. But the only way you'll grow up is to realize how sinful you are. You know, a child, they'll they'll never say that they are acting immature. I don't think I'll, 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 I will never probably ever hear that. But it's only when you grow up and you look back that you realize how immature and lost you were. The way that you will become more like Jesus is to first understand that you are nothing without him. That is the first step that you need to take. You have to understand the absolute depths of where you were to understand how good God is in your life today. And it's only then, it's only then that you'll be able to serve and love, understanding the big picture, understanding what you need to understand. And that is, I am serving, I am giving, I am studying, I am working. Not for just those things, but for the glory of God. And so that I can be more like Christ. And so that the people around me can be more like Christ. You are living an extraordinary life. But you have an extraordinary calling. Did I say that right? You are living an ordinary life, yeah? You are living an ordinary life. But you have an extraordinary calling. Our God is able to use even the most uninteresting and hardest parts of your life to change your life. And He is able to change someone else's life so radically that they are completely unrecognizable. Look, we we serve and it's difficult, I know we serve and we can go to church and we can go to worship and it's hard, I know, a lot of times. But think back and remember what God has done in your life. right? Think back and remember what Jesus has done. He was the one who washed the feet of his disciples first. He is the one who chased after you. He is the one who came for your life in exchange for his. And when you remember that, when you realize that your life has such a great meaning, that your life has purpose, that there is a calling on your life that is so much more extraordinary than anything in this world can ever offer you, then you can breathe so easily. And you can sleep so well at night because God's hand his holy hand is upon you so brothers and sisters you are not living ordinary lives because we worship an extraordinary God and his eyes his mind his thoughts are on you so when you serve serve knowing that when you work Work knowing that. When you study, study understanding that your identity is not in your work or your school or whatever. Your identity is based upon the God who loves you, cares for you, is Lord over this entire world, this entire universe, and he has his eyes set upon you. Your life is not ordinary. Let's pray. look i want you to pray right now understanding that these words are not my words they're not my opinions they're not my thoughts these are words of god and i pray and i hope that you have understood really what paul is saying here because if this isn't if this doesn't click with you then when you go back home you will go back into your regular, ordinary life, and it will just be ordinary. When you study, you're going to study. You're not going to understand why you're studying. When you're working, you're not going to, you're going to work, and you're not going to understand why you're working. You're going to be like how I was when I was 10, 11 years old, saying, what am I doing? What's the point of this? Why am I doing any of this? But when you understand this, then your whole life will change. You have to have an eternal perspective and understand what Jesus has done in your life. And so, for us, I want you to really reflect back and think about this past year. If you are completely new to the faith, then pray. Pray to the Lord, asking for more faith, asking for more of that. But if you have served, In any capacity, if you have been a Christian in any capacity, then I want you to look back on 2018. Look back in 2017. Has your life been different? Is your life changed? Are you more patient now? Are you more loving now? Are you more gentle now? Is your life more like Jesus? If it is, then great. Ask God to give you more. But if it isn't, your life has not changed then reflect on your life right now and say God I want to be different I want to have that eternal perspective change my life Lord help me to grow in faith pray focus you guys pray